Good evening. Please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 and verses 44 through 46. Matthew 13 verses 44 through 46 is where we're going to start out tonight. Read with me in the text. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Do you find Christ and his kingdom to be a treasure to your soul? There is a massively deadly movement working itself through Christianity. It is not a modern movement at all. It is a problem that has always existed. It is the problem of not seeing Christ as a treasure to be absolutely treasured in the heart. Christ and his kingdom are not craved and desired and pursued with all of one's time and all of one's energy. Instead, Christ is an intangible being that can be appeased through an adherence to a set of rules. If we experience this, then when we think of God, we think of rules. Obedience is a drudgery. We might even think, what do I have to do to avoid God's wrath? We speak in terms of What do I have to do today to stay in God's good graces? What do we have to read today? How long do I have to pray? We might even wonder at times, you know, I just wonder, what's the minimum someone could do? What's the minimum someone could read or pray or teach others about Christ and still get into heaven? Pleasing Christ is a duty, not a joy. And reading this parable in particular, I can relate to this, is nerve-wracking or confusing. Why would someone do this? Sell all for a treasure. I want you to notice how this man responds to his discovery of Christ and his kingdom. What does it say is, his, is what is going on in his heart? Joy. It is a treasure to him. It is a joy to him. He is filled with rejoicing upon finding Christ. But why does this man rejoice upon finding Christ in his kingdom? We could probably spend a a lifetime answering this question. We could search through the pages of the Bible endlessly and continue to answer this question on every single page of the Bible. But let's consider for a moment in order to ask, answer that question. Consider, why was David so miserable? Why was say David so miserable whenever he figured out that he sinned against God? Whenever 
he sinned against God in taking Bathsheba. Why was he sorrowful? Why would a man like King David with great power, with great influence, with great wealth, with the disposal to many women, why would he waste his time feeling sorry over taking a woman for himself? This man could shut the mouth of any prophet that spoke against him. And guys, he could have any pleasure he wanted. Why waste his time feeling sorry? Let me suggest that it's not because he felt like he had to feel sorry. It's not because he felt like he had to repent. David sorrowed and wept because he lost the one thing that meant the most in the world to him. He lost his treasure. He lost his joy. He lost fellowship with God and all the wonderful blessings and peace that comes with that. He knew he could not read the law of God without feeling terrible about what he did. He knew he could not bring any sacrifice before God. In fact, listen to what he says in Psalm 51 and verses 11 and 12 after he sinned. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. This was David's treasure and his love. He desired fellowship with God and it is something that people have treasured and longed for for centuries, for thousands and thousands of years. It's what many in scriptures have experienced. Just listen to how the sons of Korah speak of worshiping God and what worshiping God meant to them. And I want each of us to be considering, does it mean this to me? My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Psalm 84 verses 2 and 10. Listen to how another speaks of how he feels about God's laws in Psalm 119 and verses 97 and 127. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation All the day. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, fine gold. This is certainly the man, the the heart of a man, the words of a man who has found the hidden treasure in the field. In fact, I want to submit to you tonight that it is only the true disciple, only true disciples find this their greatest pleasure their greatest pleasure to have Christ's kingship in their life they love his blessings they love reading his law they love applying his law they love working for him they love pleasing him they love knowing him more intimately discovering more hidden pages in the bible they love especially telling others about him it is their greatest greatest joy true disciples crave these things yet how easily we can miss this and think that Christ's kingship in our life is something to be avoided is something that is a duty is something that might even be described 
by some as a misery. Worship, time in the Word, prayer, teaching others, serving others needs to be minimized as if serving Jesus is depriving us of joy. As if Jesus is seeking to deprive us of joy. We want to talk about joy? This is joy. This is the only joy. And so we've got to get our perspective right. There's nothing we have to do in order to get to heaven. We don't have to pray once. I want all of us to feel released. We don't have to pray once. We don't have to study once. We don't have to come to Sunday morning Bible study. We don't have to come here tonight. We don't have to take the Lord's Supper. We don't have to sing. We don't have to come to any Bible study. We don't have to tell one soul about Jesus Christ because if we have to do anything, it does not please Christ one bit. Worshiping Christ as a duty is not something we have to do. Because having to do anything is not what Jesus desires. It means nothing for us to obey the Lord and it not be our greatest joy. Because we don't look like this man who just wanted to sell everything, get rid of anything that would distract him. This man was ecstatic to have found Christ in his kingdom. The true disciple sees serving Christ as a pleasure to be increased at every single opportunity. It is a privilege and a joy to draw near to Jesus and to work for him and to know him more. Because Christ then is a treasure to the true disciple, I want us to notice in the text how these men responded when they discovered the hidden treasure. What did they do in joy? They sold everything. Their great joy caused them to sell everything so they could have those great treasures. And I think how sad... How sad it is that the moment we speak of, the moment we speak of sacrifice, the moment we speak of selling everything, the the moment we speak of forsaking everything we have and reading these passages where Jesus says, I want you to love me and hate your entire family. Satan tempts us to feel sorrowful as if we are the rich young ruler who has some greater treasure. But notice in this parable how these men viewed selling everything. Do you think they viewed it as a sacrifice? It was their joy to sell everything. How in the world could this be so? How could it be that one person views selling everything to have a particular treasure as a joy and another as a sacrifice? That has to be done. Well, let me suggest that it all comes down to value. Consider for a moment, if you found a treasure in a field, what would that treasure have to be worth in order for you to joyfully sell and forsake every love in your heart that you ever had? Everything that you ever valued. Anyone that you ever valued. What would that treasure have to be worth? 
far greater than the value of anything you ever loved. It would have to have a far surpassing value to anything you ever loved. And if it was of that great value, oh, we would just sell everything in the moment. Just think about it. You found a treasure in a field worth a million dollars. Would you sell your $100,000 home in order to buy that field in a heartbeat? That's the same thing that's happening here. That's the same way it works with Christ and his kingdom. These men sold everything joyfully because obtaining Christ's kingdom at that cost was a bargain. They could sell everything and have that treasure. Oh, everything they had was not worth, not even close to worth that treasure, was it? Not at all. Just consider the difference between Paul and the rich young ruler and how they considered value. Christ came to both of them, came to both of them right there face to face and said, get rid of everything you love, get rid of everything you know. You can have me and you can follow me. How did the rich young ruler respond? Well, the text tells us in Matthew that he walked away sorrowful. Why? He didn't see the value. He did not see the value. He needed to get some kind of appraiser to go in and appraise that properly for him because he didn't recognize. He thought what he owned was worth more than following Jesus. The opportunity to walk by the Son of God on earth. Think about that. Jesus turned away many people who said, I want to follow you. He said, no, you can't do that. I I sleep on a, you know, I sleep nowhere. I've got nowhere to sleep. I've got but a stone. He rejected many but extended the opportunity to the rich young ruler and he thought it he thought that would be a sorrowful thing but he extended the opportunity to Paul and think about what Paul said notice what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 7 through 8 just love this passage just think about this passage i, I want this passage to just soak into our hearts for a long time But whatever gain I had, after Paul speaks about his life in Pharisaism and all the success he had, I mean, his life, guys, his life, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul saw the value the rich young ruler did not. And in the same way, if we will simply see the amazing value of Jesus Christ and his kingdom and his kingship in in our life, his law, his purpose that he gives us, the blessings he gives us, the work he gives us, the opportunity to participate in, if we will see the value of that, I want to suggest that we will not begrudgingly wonder what we have to sacrifice or what we have to give up for him. Instead, we will seek more and more ways to deny our flesh just so that we can have more of Jesus Christ, just so that we can please him more and get more of his word in our heart, more of his law in our mind, more blessings from prayer, 
I suggest to you that this is why Zacchaeus, without Jesus saying a word, this is why Zacchaeus said, uh, I'm going to pay back everyone I've defrauded fourfold. This is why Matthew, the tax collector, left his very prosperous business in tax collecting, left the booth right there. This is why those guys, uh, James, John, Peter, Andrew, left their love of fishing to go fish for men. This is why the sons of Korah would have rather spent a thousand would have rather spent one day, one day worshiping God than a thousand days elsewhere. And kids, yes, that means that even if Disney World was around and Orlando and all of its awesomeness, it would if he could choose just one day worshiping the Lord, oh give it to me. One minute worshiping the Lord instead of a thousand days there, he would have taken it. He would have taken that in an instant because that was a bargain. That was, a, that was not a sacrifice in the slightest. This is why the apostles leapt for joy when they experienced persecution and boldly rejoiced in their suffering and rejoiced in death because they would know Jesus Christ and his sufferings even more. In doing so, they were gaining far greater, greater treasures than the puny treasures they lost. It was a bargain to them. And so I want to urge each one of us, if we don't see the awesome value of Christ, I want to urge you, seek it foremost. If, if this just seems unfathomable, what these people do in order to gain Christ... Set aside everything to get to know him. That's the only way I've found value in Christ is when I set aside every single distraction. As Brent said this morning, it's just the smallest things that get in our way, right? Just set aside every single distraction, every single obligation, and just spend some time in the word. Let it convict you of your guilt and then see that he has offered to be your father and you to be his son. And we'll start seeing the value of Christ then. And then if you do see the value of Christ, I want to urge you to let your hunger be insatiable. Let nothing stop you from treasuring Christ more than you treasure him now. Grow in your love for him. I want you to just think for a moment. You can't, if you see the value of Christ, then you totally relate to this. You can have more prayer. You can discover more in His Word. In fact, there are many unfound, undiscovered pages in the Bible, aren't there? Undiscovered words. You can find greater wisdom. You can find greater peace in His commandments. You can find more blessings. From a partnership with prayer in him, you can serve the hurting ones that he longs to serve, that he longs for you to serve and to comfort. You can save the souls that are dying around you. You can. All we have to do is lay aside the things that are distracting us and holding us back. We can have all of those things. We can have more Jesus. All we have to do is forsake those old loves. All we have to do is forsake those those silly career dreams. 
the television time, those pointless novels, the family time, the hobbies, the sports that waste our time. We think that when we see Christ as the great treasure, sometimes we think, oh, but I, but I want both treasures. Uh, more and more in my experience, what I'm finding, especially lately, I'm realizing, no, we can't have both. We just can't have family and TV and sports and the career dreams and have all of Jesus Christ. We can't, but it's okay. Because in reality, what are the long-lasting, tangible benefits that we get from those things? I mean, really, if we forsake that hour of television, what have we really lost? If we forsake those career dreams, what long-lasting... I mean, we're talking about eternity, guys, here. We're, think about what Timothy did as, as our example. Timothy, the young man who, would have, who had all those career dreams at his disposable, did, did, did he lose anything by dropping everything to run around wherever Paul told him to go to be with persecuted people in Thessalonica and Philippi and encourage them, these weak new Christians? Oh, he didn't lose anything. He gained everything. We're not losing anything by putting aside those things because we can have more Jesus. We can have more worship time. We can have more blessings. We can have more joy from serving others. It just makes me hungry to talk about it. (laughs) How sad it is, though, that not everybody's going to choose that. Notice with me the parable of the net. In verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want to submit to you that this parable would have been earth shattering for the people who heard this. The kingdom of heaven is like a net that gathered what kind of fish? Every kind of fish. Anybody. Everybody can have the joy of Christ and his kingdom. Compare this to the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. Everybody, not just the Jews, not just the rich, not just the wise, not just the educated can have that great pearl. That pearl of great price, that hidden treasure, not just them. Yes, the poor. Yes, the uneducated. Yes, the Gentiles. Yes, you and me. Anybody and everybody can have that treasure. Slave, free, Jew, Gentile. Just think. The most valuable treasure in the entire world is available to everybody. It's just absolutely unfathomable. But just as the good are separated from the bad, it makes me want to cry. To consider that ultimate end, as it makes many of us cry. When we hear that people think that they are missing out on the greater joys by pursuing Christ instead of the pleasures in this life. 
It makes me cry because when we say or when we think this, we think that we are forsaking the better treasures to have a lesser treasure. But in reality, if we don't make the decision to forsake everything to have Christ, we're choosing the lesser lesser treasure. We're missing out on the eternal, great, valuable treasure. We're, we're taking satisfying, <laughs> satisfying joys here and missing out on the ultimate satisfaction with Christ here and in eternity. By choosing to have more of this world, we're missing out on everything. Ashley asked me what I was going to talk about tonight. And when I thought about it, I thought in reality, when we combine the message of this parable and uh, the parable of the nets and the eternal consequences and and combine that with the treasure, the the hidden treasure and the pearl of great value and selling everything in joy, I realized that we're speaking tonight about the requirement for salvation that is disregarded than many. And I would suggest is more important than even baptism. When these, parable, when these parables are combined together, I believe that Jesus is teaching us that unless we joyfully treasure Christ as the only treasure in our hearts, we cannot be his disciple. We cannot be his disciples. And we are not his children. Let's think about hell for a moment, what that really means. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45 tells us that God makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Right now, Jesus tells us there, everybody indiscriminately experiences a little portion of the blessings of God, what it means for God to be around us. Everybody experiences some health. Everybody experiences food, warmth on a cold day, a cool breeze on a hot day, or a fire in the dead of winter. Everybody experiences these blessings of God's existence here in this creation. But in eternity... We are either going to have his presence amplified or completely taken away. A fiery furnace with weeping and gnashing of teeth is what it's like when God is not there. A fiery furnace with weeping and gnashing of teeth is the ultimate pain for those who do not treasure Christ. And we think for a moment that, oh, why would anybody choose that? Nobody chooses that. It's just the unforeseen consequences. But I want to submit to you that this passage, the message of these over the overall messages uh, of these parables combined together, says that people choose weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the reason I say that is because whenever I see many not loving and craving and desiring to read God's word and worship him and serve others, not just loving the idea, craving the idea of telling others about Jesus Christ. When we've got a little bit of Christ here, whenever I hear of that, I I wonder If we don't treasure the little bit of Christ that we get to have here, then why do we think, what makes us think that we will treasure him, that we will treasure Christ 
when we can only have him and all of him for eternity. What I say to many is, can we foresee what we do here and what we do when we teach others and serve others and worshiping Christ and having all of him? Can we foresee doing that for eternity? Do we just love that idea, crave that idea? And many say, yeah, yeah. Why can't we even take some time aside and set the phone down and set our obligations aside to have a little bit of him now? Then, if we think we would want to have all of him and only him for eternity, what makes us think we would enjoy heaven? What makes us think we would enjoy having only Christ and all of Christ? No, hell is a decision. It is a decision that we make here. And so I think that we do then have a choice. And I believe C.S. Lewis does a fabulous job of describing our predicament and our choice. He says, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with set, drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an, the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. I think that's a pretty good description. Of our decision. If we truly struggle seeing Christ and His kingdom as a treasure, I want to urge each one of us to see the mud pies we are making when we can have more of Christ. More of Christ is available. Even the writer of Ecclesiastes, who foolishly pursued everything in this world, he pursued and treasured everything in this world with more gusto than any of us can. He had, in our terms, he had the best iPad, and yes, it had cellular access on it too. He had the newest iPhone. He had more women. He had the biggest TV. He had the best food. He ate at Ruth's Chris every night, guys. He had more power and influence than we can imagine. The best job, the best career. Everybody knew about him. Everybody thought he was something. All the ladies swooned when he walked in the room and he said that was nothing. It's mud pies. God's the treasure. That's what he said after he had all those things. He came to the same conclusion Paul came to when he said that he would joyfully forsake everything to have the far surpassing value of Christ. God is the treasure, Christians. Everything else is mud pies. And so uh, as a final exhortation for each of us tonight, let's consider Matthew chapter 6 and verses 20 through 21. Matthew chapter 6 and verses 20 through 21. Jesus tells us they're so important about what we treasure in our hearts. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we see that we are not treasuring Christ right now, then there's good news. Christ says here that all hope is not lost. 
Christ says that if we will simply if we will simply start accumulating more heavenly treasures or in the terms of what we're speaking of tonight, more kingship, more of Christ's kingship in our lives, more of his law, more of his word, more of serving others, more of everything that he offers. If we'll start accumulating those things, then our desire will follow because notice what he says. Wherever our treasure is, meaning whatever we accumulate, that's where our heart is going to be. This is so true. It's what I've experienced in my own life. It's just fascinating and sad how much time in my life I regret. How much I regret, how much time I regret wasting doing so many different things in my life. I think I could be so much more useful to God, much so much more useful to all of you, so much more useful to my family and to the lost if I wouldn't have wasted so much time. But I never, I never end up regretting the time I choose to spend with Christ. I never regret spending more time in His Word. I never regret praying to Him. I never regret teaching others and serving others and setting aside everything else. In fact, I found, at least for me personally, and I know many have experienced this here, that the more I read the Word, the more I teach people, the more I just want to, I just, the more I crave it, the more I want more and more. There's no other fun thing that I've found that I want to just keep doing it more and more. Everything else just gets boring. Everything else just becomes a waste of time. Spending more time in the things of God is what will cause a greater desire for the things of God in our hearts to follow. It will cause us to treasure Him. And so that's my admonition to each of us tonight. That's what Christ's admonition is here. Spend more time in the things filled with me, filled with Jesus, and we will start loving Jesus more. Treasure Him more, accumulate more of Him, and we will treasure more of Him. Uh, What we obtain too cheaply... Many have said we end up valuing too little. I think the antithesis then is true as well. But what we give the most to, we will value infinitely. Let's fully invest ourselves in Christ. Because guys, if we miss out on Him, then we've missed out on everything there ever was for us to have. Don't miss out on having Jesus Christ. Don't let anything stand in your way. If there is any way... We can help you in your walk with Christ. If we can help you treasure Christ more, please talk to us. It is something that has spread throughout Christianity. It is something that has ruined the hearts of many. Don't wait until it is too late. Don't wait until you have nothing of Christ. Let's treasure Him now. If there's any way we can help you treasure Him, let us know. Come forward to the front while we stand and while we sing.